with Cinefits. I am your gracious and spooky host, Alex McAllister. Thanks for listening. This week, oh, we got a masterpiece on our hands. And I'm not talking about the movie, I'm talking about our guest. This week, we are joined by the one and only Mason Head. Mason, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. I'm pumped for you to be here as well. You helped me get this started. You get, you went through the trial runs with me, so I appreciate first. that. Um, if anybody doesn't like the podcast, it's Mason's fault. Tweet me. Yeah, there you go. Tweet him. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining. Um, it's horror month, and so what spooky movie did you choose to scare our listeners with? I am not a huge fan of the scary movies, so I had to pick a special one, and I chose Get Out. Yes, Get Out 2017 by Jordan Peele. Great movie if you guys haven't seen Well, I'm spoiling it. Look at me. Yeah, pause now and go watch it and come back. Otherwise, we're spoiling it. Yeah, exactly. Watch out for them spoilers. Um, like I said, directed by Jordan Peele. I'm, it was his directorial debut, so we'll, we'll get more into him. Um, but... First off, I'm just going to go into more stuff about the movie, budget, box office, all that stuff. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a solid 98% with the critic score and then an 86 with audience score. So, you know, pretty good, no matter who's watching it. And the budget was $4.5 million and... The box office was $255.4 million, so really made its money back and kind of catapulted Jordan Peele to stardom. Uh, do you have anything you want to add before I go into Jordan Peele? Um, more, I, when I looked up the awards that it was uh, nominated for and won, I noticed that it won the Best Original Screenplay, which... I thought I, I would agree with that. I thought it was. And I thought it was cool, like, more into Jordan Peele. I, when I first saw that it was, like, you know, made by him, I was, like, skeptical and, like, curious because he was a comedy guy, which I'm sure we're about to get into here. Yeah. But it's pretty crazy how his first movie was a horror movie when he was known for comedy and it did so well. Yeah, exactly. Um, like you said, he's known for comedy, probably... Most famously, Key and Peele from Comedy Central. What is your favorite Key and Peele sketch? It's a sketch, a sketch show. So, so my favorite is uh, I don't know if it's the direct title is Slap Ass, but it's it's the Slap Ass skit. It's yeah. when they're baseball players and they're from like the Dominican Republic, and all they know how to do is hit home runs and slap ass. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a beauty. It is. It's a good one. Um, my favorite is Dos Negros. It's when um, the Nazis come and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're looking for Jews, but there's one thing we hate worse than Jews, and that's black people." And so they have like white powder on their faces, and they're trying to convince him that they're not black. And they're like, "It's the most insane, like stereotypical stuff." They're like. They're measuring their heads, and they're like, oh, everybody knows that black people heads don't come in half sizes. 
And then at the end, he's like, do you care for some delicious beets? And he's like, huh, you guys aren't eating these beets. And so he's like, well, they must not be black. And so, I don't know. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and I almost think after he came out with Get Out and Us, which is his like most recent one, he's almost like now more known for those two movies than his comedy sketches, yeah. in my opinion now. It's kind of crazy. Like He made the jump from being a sketch comic to being probably like one of the most well-known directors there is now, which is kind of insane, but he's, I think you can tell like he's insanely creative. And so good for him. I also like when I heard get out was coming out, I wasn't, I mean, I was excited because it's Jordan Peele. Um, but they had a movie called Keanu come out where they had a cat named Keanu and like it wasn't that good so I was kind of expecting the same thing from this I was like yeah I'll go see it but I wasn't expecting a lot and this just blew me away do you remember like did you see this did you see Get Out in theaters or yeah I saw it I've seen it like yeah six seven times now and I saw it in theaters when it came out which is honestly like means a lot for mm. like me because I don't see scary movies in theaters yeah generally. like the two scary movies I've seen in theaters is it and get out mm-hmm. so I think I saw this twice in theaters actually I think I went alone and then I liked it so much I went with some of my roommates in college which I'll have a story about at the end don't let me forget it you're gonna let me forget it ain't you I won't I promise okay I actually saw this movie in theaters with Drew Cunningham of all oh, people man. and Emily Cunningham. Wow, love them. Great people. Speaking of which, I'll go into how we know each other. Okay, um, sounds good. Pretty much, you were just dating a friend of mine, and um, then you started hanging out with us, and we were, at first I was like, this Mason guy, he went to a private school, he just thinks he's better than us, and then... I don't know. We just started hanging out, and then you guys broke up, and then you just kept hanging out with us, and you're like and the coolest dude I've ever met. Now, four years later, look at us. I know. Wow, it's been that long. I think the most, I think the funniest thing about it, our like friendship is, is that generally on paper, me and you probably disagree on like <laughs> everything quite a bit of stuff, yeah. like almost everything. <laughs> but we still like Facetime for like three hours and manage to like talk about stuff. And not like disagree on everything and getting huge fights over it because there's way more to life than. Yeah, I mean, opinions. you do still owe me five dollars from our Miles Sanders bet last year. That is true. That is true. But hey, who's who's keeping track <laughs> of the five dollars you owe me? Not me. Hey, when this podcast makes ten, you just give me. You just keep that five. Okay. Me. Wow, I appreciate it. Okay, so I'm gonna go more into peel. Um, like we said, he's known from Key and Peele, but before then he was on Mad TV, which also a skit show. So um, I guess that's how he got his comedy debut. He, I never watched any of those. Yeah, it was kind of before our time, but um, now he's producing stuff. Like he produced Black Klansman. Have you seen that? I haven't, but it, I've seen the trailer and I did look pretty good. Yeah, it's also really good. Um, but I guess that's about as much as I have on him. He's 
well known now for his like Obama impression, also from Key and Peele. Um, is that is that him or is that uh, Key? No, it's Peele. It is okay. I think because Key is the bodyguard. He stands there with his hands like this, oh, and okay. he like does the mean version of Obama. Oh yes, that's yeah. right. You're yep. Yep, and so like. If you just look at his IMDb, there's multiple things where he's just like an Obama impersonator, which is kind of cool. Um, and now he's on, like, he's in Toy Story 4. He did a voice in Captain Underpants, so. He's all he's, over the place. Yeah, he's getting out there. And like you mentioned, he also wrote and directed Us, which you will be back on the podcast for. Don't know when yet, you know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Could be as early as next week. It. Who knows? Yeah, so watch it now if you if you want to. Yeah, do the double feature. Get out in us. There you go. Get us out, even. Wow, that's perfect. Just make the two movies one. Watch half of Get Out, watch all of us, and then watch the second half of Out. Get Out. Yeah, they blend perfectly. Exactly. Um, also, both of these are like... I don't know, I've been kind of nervous to do this because both of these are about, like... Pri- primarily black characters. Yeah. Like a black, a black theme. Exactly. And me and my pal Mason here, we're two white dudes. And so I've been, like, not worried, but just, you know, how how do we... It's hard for us to understand, like, to be able to relate as much to some of the main characters in this, but I still feel like... It's especially in it times like now. It's easy. Yeah, it does to a really good job of, like, even if you can't like directly associate it with it, it helps the you know any viewer. Yeah. Like side with the good side or like yeah, the exactly. side. It it does a really good job of that. Yeah. So, um, I'll just move on. The main character Daniel Kaluuya. He played Chris Washington in Get Out. Um, also known for he was Wakabi in Black Panther. I think that's how you say that. Um, and then he was in Sicario. Do you know his character's name? I don't even know if you've seen Sicario. I have not seen Sicario, so his, I do not know. His character's name is Reggie Wayne. No. <laughs> Indianapolis Colts great wide receiver. Legend. Reggie Wayne. A legend on the Patriots, too, I heard. Wow. Exactly. Um, and then most recently, he was in Queen and Slim as Slim. I haven't seen it, but I think I heard it was good. Who knows? Hey, if you guys have seen Queen and Slim, let me know. Send, yeah, send tweet a, it at him. Yeah. Hey, email us at friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. And then on Twitter, at cinefitspod. There we go. And then. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless. Exactly. Uh, his girlfriend in this is Allison Williams and she plays Rose Armitage. She was, I loved her in this. Oh, she was, she was really good. And she was like that perfect kind of like bad to make you just like hate her. Yeah. But like, we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into her character more, but yeah, she's awesome. And she's also in girls on HBO, which I haven't seen the rest of her stuff I haven't seen either. But I'd like to see her in more stuff because she was incredible. 
Um, her father, playing her father, is Bradley Whitford. Um, he plays Dean Armitage. And I didn't know anything about him until I watched this. And then he was most recently on Armchair Expert, Dak Shepard's podcast. And he's like, pretty interesting dude. But um, he was on The West Wing and some other things. But I'm not going to spoil those because something's coming up later. I'll tell you that much. It's going to be my recommendation. He's in my recommendation. Spoiler. Yeah. And then Catherine Keener plays the mom. Her name's Missy in this. Do they ever say that? Maybe like once? Yeah, I don't think many times. Yeah, I just thought she was the mom. And then I was looking up stuff and there's like Missy Armitage. I was like, what? But who knows? Um, She was in Being John Malkovich. Have you seen that? I just haven't seen a lot of movies like this (laughs) because no, I haven't. (laughs) Man, it's good. And then she is also the love interest in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Okay, I have seen that. Yeah, I love that movie. It's hilarious. Yeah. And then I guess there's only two more main characters. I'll just keep going with the Armitage family. Um, The brother slash son is Caleb Landry Jones, which when I first watched this movie, I hated him. And then now, like, I don't know. I think I've gotten a deeper understanding for his character, and we'll talk about it, obviously. Uh, Yeah, I'm interested to hear about that because... (laughs) Right off the bat, I think he portrays, like, the messed up, like, character that you think is the bad one. Yeah, exactly. Just from his appearance. Yeah. But then if he goes down the line and you learn a lot more. Yeah. So, okay, I'll get into it later. Um, But he's also in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Have you seen that, Mason? No, I haven't. Dude, it is incredible. You got to watch it. Um. But that's the only other thing I've seen him in. He's in X Men First Class, and I like that movie. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Do you X-Men actually? My child. I, I grew up watching X Men like animated, and I was like huge fan. My mom drove me around all like the Burger Kings to get the toys and stuff. So I'm okay. like a diehard X Men fan. Wow, I'm not surprised. He also played Boy on Bike in No Country for Old Men. So great movie. That I mean, if you haven't seen that. Yeah, <laughs> that movie's too good to even explain. And then I think the man that stole the show and get out, <laughs> Lil yes. Rel Howery. Were you familiar with him before this? A little bit. Like he seems so familiar, just like the way he, he his voice is, and like mm-hmm. how he says his words and like puts them together and stuff. But I don't know if I've seen anything he's been in. So he was in Friends of the People, which was it's my favorite sketch comedy show of all time i think they only had two seasons and then it got canceled um it's so funny and it has i i started watching that i just think it was on true tv or something and then that's when i learned about um kevin barnett like i started like reading more about the people that were in the show and then he's friends with the guys in the last podcast on the left He's was part of their Roundtable of Gentlemen podcast, and he recently passed away, so rest in peace, Kevin Barnett. Um, but yeah, Friends of the People with that, that's how I found Lil Rel. 
And now, like, I think he has his own TV show called Rel. Um, just, I guess that he stars and stars in and wrote and helps produce. Um, he's in Uncle Drew, Tag. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Probably not. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I haven't either. Other than Andy's going to be in Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds coming out. Have you seen that trailer? Oh yeah, that looks. Bad. I'll probably go and I'll probably watch it because I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. Yeah, it it looks fun. I'm not gonna say it looks good. It just looks yeah. fun. It it looks like it could pass an hour and a half away. Yeah, there you go. And you would not be mad about it. Yeah. So that's all I have on the characters for now. Are you ready to get into the movie, or do you have yeah, anything let's, else? Let's dive in. Great. So I gotta read the synopsis real quick. I probably should have done that earlier, but hey. You live and you learn, or something. Now that Chris and his girlfriend, Rose, have reached the the meet-the-parents milestone of dating, she invites him for a weekend getaway upstate with Missy and Dean, her parents. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to a truth that he never could have imagined. So, yeah, it's pretty much he's dating a white girl and they're going for a weekend to visit her parents. And that's kind of how the movie starts is they're talking and there's kind of some tension between them. And Chris is like, do they know I'm black? And she's like, I mean, no, like, why does that matter? And he's just like, it's going to matter, like, bring it up. And then she's like, what am I going to do? Call them and be like, hey, my black boyfriend is coming to visit. And so he's like, okay, I guess, like, yeah, it's kind of weird to just be like, hey, just so you know, he's black. Um, but I think it's kind of cool because the entire movie, it's kind of like he's just trying to avoid any awkwardness. Like... He's in an awkward situation, and there's a lot of times when people say kind of inappropriate things, and he just, like, you know, brushes it off, and he's like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just trying to get out of this weekend without anything creepy coming. When I, so, like, at the beginning, I don't know if this is, like, has to do with anything, but when she goes to knock on the door to his apartment, she knocks with her head. And I was just wondering, is there something, like, behind behind that? Or is that just, like, a random thing? Being, like, silly. Or have her hands yeah, full Yeah, she something? just had her hands full and hit it. Oh, okay. And I thought it was, like, a cute, like, way to make her more human. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I When I saw it, I was just like, oh, that's kind of cute. I like her. Um, I was, yeah, I just didn't know, so. So, whenever they're about to, or they're heading up to the parents' house, um, they actually I want to talk about the score in this just because oh, the, the, yeah the music is incredible yeah the beginning credits like it starts out um, it's like trees and it has like this not sinister but it's kind of like a choir like singing or something but it sounds like kind of spooky and then it switches to Childish Gambino's Redbone which is an incredible song whenever it goes into Chris's apartment 
And I watched the commentary of this uh, with Jordan Peele, and he said originally that song wasn't supposed to be in there. It was just going to be the like choir the entire time. And then they realized, like, you know, it just makes you tense, like, for the meeting with them. Like, this is your first time meeting them, and it doesn't feel like a relationship. And so they added, like, a cool, recent, like, song that a lot of people know and um, with Redbone. And it just, like, kind of soothed out that awkwardness at the beginning of the movie. And I think it, like, kind of set the tone for the movie because, like, I don't know, they seem like people. They're listening to music that people listen to. And I don't know. Yeah, I love the music in this. Yeah, I think it did a really good job of, like, setting you up for it being a scary movie mm-hmm. and then putting you at ease with the, and then setting you up with some scary like music and then putting you at ease like over and over again throughout the movie. Yeah. So and I thought it was really cool. Another thing with that is whenever they're driving to the Armitage house, they hit a deer and it's off the side of the road. Chris gets out and he's like, Hey, I got to go check on the deer. And he just walks over and it's just like, you know, a deer dying and it's one of those where you're like, don't get out of the car. Like, why are you walking into the woods? Like, what are you doing right now? And it's one of those, like, you kind of expect something bad's going to happen. And it's kind of just the deer dying. Yeah, um, but the and but the deer comes into play like a couple times later down mm-hmm. the line. And I just thought it was interesting, too, how he went to check on the dying deer, but Rose just stayed by the car and like didn't care yeah so it was i kind of thought like oh that's her like not really caring about human life mm-hmm. like that's what i kind of picked up on later like after seeing it a few times and thinking about it so i think we should just spoil it now like the whole plot because then when we go through this there's more stuff we can hit on like there's a lot of foreshadowing in this that you only kind of catch if you've seen it before and you know how it's going to go so does that work with you yeah yeah so essentially the armitage family so chris's girlfriend and her parents um they pretty much lure black people in like she will date black men that are like fit and Um, women yeah, but um, pretty much they go to their house and they have discovered this way to do like a brain transplant and put their, like, the white people can put their minds inside of the black bodies and, you know, just live their life. And so a cool thing with the commentary is Jordan Peele said, this is essentially like the Holy Grail um, that these white people are just the like the Templar Knights or whatever and they're trying to find the Holy Grail well the Holy Grail gives you immortality or whatever that's what this does anytime you're about to die you can just transplant your brain into another host and you know you just live forever and so that's why at the beginning of the movie you see a guy dressed in all black in that Porsche pulling up and Lakeith Stanfield is on the phone talking to his girlfriend 
And he's like, hey, where are you? He's in this white suburb. And then this guy gets out and beats him up, and it, like, flashes, and it has, his like, a helmet on that looks kind of like a black kind of knight helmet. Um, and so Jordan Peele said that it was, like, his reference to the Templars or whatever. I never picked up on that. That's really cool, actually, because now that I think about it, yeah. He does have the medieval-looking helmet that he goes in, like... His, his method of capturing them is a less subtle and nice compared to Rose's. Yeah, which it ends up that is the brother, Caleb Landry Jones. He plays Jeremy, um, which I'm glad you touched on that because that kind of goes into why I like his character. The rest of the family is much more cunning, and they play two different characters in this movie. They play the first part of the movie... They're normal, super nice um, Democrats, and they're, like, very nice to Chris. And then there's a switch that gets flipped, and then they're just cold trying to take over this guy's body. Um, Except for Jeremy. Like, he plays the same character the entire time, and that's why I like him. He seems like he's like, okay, I don't care about this bullshit. Like, this is a ritual that my family's been doing for generations to take over bodies. And he seems like he's the most woke out of all of them. He's just like, why do we have to lure them here under these false pretenses? He's like, I can just go grab them and we can just take them that way. Which I mean, is, is it still bad, but at least he doesn't try to like pussyfoot around it. Yeah. Like I don't, there's, I'm not saying his, the character he plays is good. He just seems to have like, the most not understanding but like he understands what's going on like i said i guess woke like he's the most woke about what's going on and he's like why do we have to do this like they have to go through so much to get chris in that house to hypnotize him and then get him under and he's just like i can literally just put lakey stanfield in a headlock make him pass out and then we can do whatever so, I don't know. I guess that's why I like him. Like, not like him, but that's why I like his character. He's much different than the rest of his you, family. You can tell that early on, too, because, like, all the other family members are clean, cut, like, nice clothes, proper, mm-hmm. like, all that. And then he shows up when they're having tea disheveled hair, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, wrinkled clothing. He like, just throws not, his bag to the yeah. side. He's not trying to play nice, really. Mm-hmm. And immediately tries to put him in a headlock during family dinner. Yeah. Like, doesn't really try to, you know, walk around what the goal is. Mm-hmm. And I guess now since I've brought up, like, the the family kind of, they play two different characters. Um, they had a name for Rose, the girlfriend. When she turned evil, she was Roro. And I guess that helped the actress, Allison Williams, to, like, it was like she was playing two different characters. One, she's this girlfriend, super nice, in this interracial relationship, and then Roro is cold, and, like, I don't know, when she flips the switch, it's incredible. Especially the scene she's talking to Lil Rel, and she does the voice of Rose, but like 
her face is just stone. Like she just has a stone face and she's like so cold. It's so yes. like chilling. And like the, the key moment, that's like, I just want, like want to jump like into the screen when I watch the movie. Cause she's like crying and like digging around in her mm-hmm. bag and then pulls her hand up with the keys around her finger and her face just drops instantly. And it's like, you know, I can't give you those keys, babe. Yeah. And so whenever they get, they hit that deer and they call the cops and they get a police officer to come and she's like defending Chris. She's like, because the cop, he's like, Hey, can I see your license, sir? And Chris is like, I was just the passenger. Like, you know, like, why do you need mine? He's like, I just need to see it. And Chris is like, okay, here you go. And Rose is like, no, like, he wasn't driving. Why do you need to see his? And that kind of, like, I, when you don't know she's a bad guy, eventually, you're like, oh, you know, she's sticking up for her boyfriend. But now, like, this time whenever I was watching it, it's like, she intentionally doesn't want the cop to see his license because, like, this guy's about to disappear. Like, yes, you know, he's going to go missing and then his life's going to change. They might be able to find out something's up with us. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that either until I watched kind of like an analysis video of it and they mentioned, like, she was defending him so he didn't, the cop didn't see the license and later see a missing person report and put two and two together. Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's you know everybody's like oh she's being nice like because the cop is early on is kind of going on going along with the theme of racism which is kind mm-hmm. of like throughout the mo- movie so it's, that's like the very first reference of it um and so you think that she's like on his side but you later find out that it's not yeah and also they i think this is like your this is a not stereo stereotypical movie about race like i kind of expected i didn't even really notice it until this time i was watching it i just was like okay the family is acting like they're liberal but actually they're just like racist you know but i actually think that's not it they're super liberal and just want to be black and that's why like the grandfather couldn't beat Jesse. He lost to Jesse Owens in a race. Um, and so the grandfather wanted to take over a black body for the physical benefits of it. And so, I don't know. I think it's a cool way to touch on the topic of racism. Like, yeah, there is racism where it's just like, Hey, we're better than you. Like white power, KKK stuff. And then there's this type where it's like, I want to like have the benefits of being black, but I still want to just, I don't know, be white, I guess. What do you think about that? Am I making sense? I, no, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying because a couple times when they're at that party, the guests will come up to him, Chris and be like, touches touches arms kind of thing like measuring his strength and mm-hmm. then talking about his golf swing and talking about how like black is back in fashion yeah and it's almost like they are jealous or like envy him a little bit because of maybe some of their you know 
difficulties that they're having in life. Yeah, they're all just old white people, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. um, That's why, like, I thought it was interesting. Like, the people, when they talk to him at the party, they're being racist, but it's not the type of racism where it's, like, it's not the stereotypical racism, you know? They're almost, like, complimenting him. Yeah. But being racist about it. Exactly. Um, And so I think that's a cool way to like hit on this especially like you said the brother puts him in a chokehold or tries wants to put him in a chokehold at the dinner table and he's literally like with your genetic makeup you would be like an mma like you would destroy an mma and like yeah it's a compliment but also like that's just a very inappropriate and weird comment to say to someone especially when you first meet him like within the first day of meeting them (laughs) Yeah, and so I wrote down at the party the things that people said. It was one guy, he he mentioned Tiger Woods and was like, how's your golf swing? Because he wants that body so he can play golf like Tiger Woods. Um, One girl, she, or one woman, she like just kind of wants to have sex with him. Because her husband's like in a wheelchair kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of out of it. Yeah, and she's just like, oh, okay, I see. Um, And she's, like, real creepy about it. And then, yeah, they say black is back in fashion, which is weird. And then Stephen he was wearing he was wearing a black shirt at the time, too. Yeah. When that guy said that, which was kind of like, they, you know, you could take it at face value by saying, like, black is back in fashion, he's wearing a black shirt. But after all the comments were made, you're like, okay, that's not exactly what he meant. Yeah, um... And then Steven Root, um, I can't remember the name of his character. He's the blind art dealer. Um, he just wants him for the least racist reasons. He just wants his eye because Chris is a photographer. Um, so he wants to be able to see pretty much, which, I mean, that's understandable, I guess. Um, also, Steven Root is in Barry on HBO. I think I mentioned it last week. Such a good show. Highly recommend. Uh, I haven't seen it. And I guess the other character, we didn't... We talked about him earlier, but Lakeith Stanfield, um, he plays the the black guy that has been kind of brainwashed and now has a white person controlling him. Um, he's in Atlanta with, that, with Donald Glover. Um... And sorry to bother you. Both are great. So check those out. But, so, yeah, go on. So going back to, like, the deer reference, mm-hmm. I know we've been kind of, like, skipping around here. Yeah. But it was, I thought that the deer reference was kind of cool because the deer is the first ominous thing that happens during the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then you see when they get there, the dad says like oh the uh, like i'm glad like the deer taken over like when i see a dead deer on the side of the road i'm thinking that's one less deer mm-hmm. and it's pretty easy to spot that that's kind of racist like he's not referring to deer he's referring to black people yeah um and then later down the line he you walk he's walking through the house showing him the photo of his grandpa or he would be his dad i guess mm-hmm and there's a deer statue in the house. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see there that 
he doesn't actually hate deer. Like it's something yeah. else besides that. And then the black mold comment in the basement. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to mention. Was one of my biggest ones. It's like, oh, we had to seal it up, black mold. And that's and actually like, where they go and do the yeah. brain transplants to make people black, I guess. Um, so another thing about that house tour scene is whenever they go into the kitchen the dad is like this was my mom's favorite place so we like to keep a part of her in here and then you like walk in and it's like they're made they have black help like the help in their house is black and so that's another like warning sign to chris is like okay is this racist like it's all rich white family and then they have a guy outside like taking care of the garden and then help inside and both of them are black like you know it's slavery vibes i guess um and they say that he says like oh they're a part of the family yeah but then if they're a part of the family they're never like treated like that and like they're not in any photos or anything Mm -hmm. um so it's just like i don't know i feel like oh they're part of the family what is a very easy term for people to use yeah um but to like play it off whenever he said we like to keep a part of her in here chris doesn't say anything and it's just the maid standing there and later you find out like that's his mom in the maid's body a part of her is actually in the kitchen yeah via and her brain i remember the first time i watched this he said that and i was just like what like dishes like they have the same like dishes or something that they used to have and like it never touches on it until you find out like oh that's the grandma like that's what's happening here um so there's like so much stuff you catch on a rewatch with this movie yeah i would highly recommend watching it and then maybe listening to the podcast Mm -hmm. and then like watching it again because i like just for, I was probably my seventh time watching it last night, and I picked up on more stuff than I had before. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like it as a horror. Like that's why it's one of my horror movies that I like. It's because it is scary, but there's a lot more to it than just like jump scares and like mm-hmm. you know some like gross scenes and like a scary like bad person or however you want to put it. There's mm-hmm. way more to it than that. Yeah. So. I think one of the scariest parts is, like, their first night, um, you know, I think Chris's hands are shaking or whatever, and the mom's like, oh, you smoke? And the dad's like, yeah, she hypnotized me, and it helped me quit smoking. I haven't wanted one since. And Chris is like, no, I'll pass. And then the first night, he goes outside for a smoke. The, The gardener dude is just sprinting right at him. And he's like, what's going on? And he turns and just keeps running, which is because that's the grandpa. And And he's just reliving. He's just reliving. Like, he wanted that body so he could run and beat Jesse Owens. So he's running around, like, getting to use that body, I guess, which is creepy. (laughs) Uh, But once he goes inside, the mom, Catherine Keener, she flips on a light and is like, well, what's up? You know? Um, and he's like, yeah, I went out for a smoke. And then she's like, okay, sit down. And she's like, she starts hypnotizing him. And she's in, she has so much control over that conversation. Like, it was so impressive. She just, like, sits down and they start talking. And then she's like, 
um, how how did your mom die? And he was like, uh, nope, uh, I don't feel like talking about that. And then she just keeps asking, and then eventually he's like reliving his mom's death, where he's like, essentially he was a little kid, and she just didn't come home from work, and he didn't call anyone. And turns out, like, if he called someone, you know, maybe they could have saved her, but he didn't. He was frozen, watching TV and didn't do anything. And then he's paralyzed, frozen, can't do anything. And then just the crazy, like, they're just having a conversation about that. And then she's like, now sink into the floor. And he's like, whoa, wait, what? She goes, sink. And, like, her voice gets all bassy, and then it just goes to him falling down and it's like that's the first time in this movie where you're just like oh shit something something's up yeah because uh, like if she could do it to him that easily you're like oh crap she could probably do that whenever she wants um, and that place is the sunken place and Jordan Peele said like his idea for it was when you're laying in bed about to fall asleep and you have that feeling that you're falling and you wake up, what happens if you don't wake up? You know, like, you just keep falling. And so he's like, that's where you, I got the idea. And then also, not everyone's sunken place is the same. Depending on who you are, it'd be something different, which makes sense, I guess, because his, whenever he's falling, he looks up, he sees Catherine Keener, and it looks like she's in a TV um, and that's because he was watching TV when it, the traumatic experience of his mom dying happened. And so I think that's kind of cool. Like, you don't you don't know what your sunken place will be until you're there. And then after that, you can kind of pick up on, like, the hypnotizing thing throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the movie. Yeah, uh, she hypnotizes him with the teacup. She, like, s- makes the noise of, like, spinning the spoon around it. And then, like, she can tap on it or something and that comes into play later obviously yeah because she hypnotized or she kind of like taps at the dinner table too yeah which would be before that and like makes the brother kind of snap out of it so you kind of notice that like the mom almost has the most like control over everyone she does and that's when like at that dinner scene, whenever the brother tries to put Chris in a headlock, he starts talking about MMA when she's not in the room. Like, she left to go get food or something and bring it out. And then when she comes back, she's just like, enough. And he just stops. Like, she definitely wears the pants in the family. Yeah. Which, and when the... Uh, gosh, I can't... Now I'm just blanking on his name. Andre... Or uh, the guy who like was actually taken over. Yeah. And he freak when he freaks out. She like goes in a room with him and like probably hypnotizes him and like mm-hmm. quote unquote fixes him, or just hypnotizes him back. Exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah. So I guess we can talk about that. Like the party scene, we kind of already mentioned it, but um, Chris is there, and it's kind of cool in the commentary. Jordan Peele was like, "When I'm the only black guy at a party." And then I see another one walk in. He's like, I just go up to them. Like, you know, you just feel like much safer, more comfortable. And so 
Chris did the same thing. He was at a party. It was just a bunch of old white people. And then he sees a black guy about his age. And then he goes up and starts talking to him. And he's like, it's nice to see another brother here or whatever. And then Lakeith, I'm just calling him Lakeith because that's the actor's name. Uh, he also has music on Spotify, which I, I sent you the links to before. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I made you listen to his music. No. Um, yeah, I, I like his music. Um, he recently had issues with his mental health, so hope he's doing okay. But anyways, like, like he turns and like is talking like an old white dude. And that's another time Chris is like, okay, something's up. And that's when he goes and gets his camera and he's like, I got to take a picture of this guy because, you know, something's up. Takes a picture of him. And like, I guess the Flash had an epileptic um, consequences or whatever effect on Lakeith and he like snaps out from the sunken place and now he's just you know Andre or whatever his name was and he starts screaming like if you've seen the trailers for this and the titles get out he starts screaming at Chris to get out um, which you know I think if I was him I'd just as soon as I snap out I'd just run you know get out of there yourself not yell at this dude um but yeah i think uh, i don't know where i was going with that yeah just kind of it's another hint to like something more is going on and it play it the flash plays a big role later down the line at the yeah. very end of the movie so once the flash happens and the he you know gets screamed at or whatever after they calm everything down, the family does, they go on a walk, Rose mm. and Chris do. And we find out while they're on a walk, the all the party goers are playing quote unquote bingo, which bingo is actually just like an auction for yeah. Chris's body. Yeah, um, it's, it was kind of creepy. A, yeah, it's such a creepy mo- mo- uh, moment. Because they like walk upstairs to begin their walk, and when they walk upstairs, like everybody freezes and like looks up. Yeah, and that's like one of the creepiest parts for me. It is. Um, whenever they start doing the, they say that they're gonna play bingo, and it turns like it shows the dad, and he's holding up a bingo card, and it's just quiet, and he's looking around, and he like nods, and then puts it down and grabs another bingo card, and then it like. I don't know, it goes to them talking when they're on their walk, and then it flips back, and it's the dad holding up a bingo card, and then it, like, pans down, and it shows he's standing next to a picture, or, like, a portrait of Chris, and you're like, oh, wait, is this, like, an auction or something? Because there's, like, a picture of Chris here. You're like, they're not playing bingo, it's a silent auction. Uh, so it's kind of creepy. And but, it, it, I mean, like I would never have seen one, obviously. But yeah. it, I mean, it straight up looks like a, like I don't know what the proper term, like a slave auction. Yeah, really is, and it's, it's really scary. Like mm-hmm. it's, and then then you find out that he and the blind guy ends up winning it, um, and that's when things start to really kind of snowball downhill. Yeah. So there is one thing I want to speak on before we get into that. And it's the character um, of Rod, played by Lil Rel Howery, as we talked about. Since we haven't talked about him yet, um, he just plays Chris's friend. He's a TSA agent, 
and he starts out like at the beginning of the movie he's like hey man like don't go there it's just a bunch of white people like this can't end well for you and then I don't know Chris goes anyways and then Chris calls him multiple times and is like man something weird's going on here and then um, his phone keeps getting unplugged and it's dead and stuff like that so um, I think that's also it's very subtle to just have like he goes to grab his phone and call someone, but it's unplugged and dead. Like, had they not just included that, I probably would have been like, okay, why couldn't Chris have just called someone and, you know, whatever. Um, it's something you didn't have to think about in horror movies like 20 years ago and stuff, but if you're making a horror movie now, you know, you need to be like, why can't this guy, like, what are his options out and why can't he do this? Um, but eventually, I, yeah, go on. I think Rod does a really good job of like implementing humor into the movie. Yeah, because he's so funny; it's he hilarious. Is. And so it kind of like puts you at ease a little bit when the, when there's like a funny moment because you kind of forget about what actually is going on. Mm-hmm. And he and but he's the one who kind of starts digging into it more and more. Yeah, and actually ends up being like the savior. And whenever Chris takes that picture of Lakeith and he snaps out of it, he sends that picture to Lil Rel and he's like, this guy looks familiar. He's like, he, he wasn't familiar when he was like his white guy, but when he snapped out of it, he's like, I know him. I've seen him. And Rel does the investigating. He's like, Oh, that's Andre. Like he's friends with this friend of ours. He's been missing for months. And so that's when it's like, dude, you got to get out of there or something. And then he can't get out of there because that's when, you know, Chris and um, Rose go on their walk and he's like, okay, it's time for us to leave. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to leave with you. And then goes into what you were talking about. Like they're about to leave and like everyone at the party left and it's just the family. And like whenever they're walking back in from their walk, it's dark out and it's just the family left and you can see everybody has already flipped that switch. Like, the dad and the mom are standing next to each other on the porch, and they just look much more cold. Like, you know something's about to go down. Um, and then the brother's strumming his, like, ukulele. And as soon as Chris walks in, he like he's just like, oh, okay, it's time. You know, he's like, we're about to do this. And then... You know, Rose and Chris are trying to leave, and like you mentioned, the keys. Um, and the know. photos. The photos was was right before that. Yeah, that's they're, true. They're packed, and that, I think that's like a. I mean, that's kind of like the nail on the coffin at that point. Yeah, he goes through they're photos, packed, and yeah, they're packing up. And Rose had mentioned before that she, that this was the first black guy she's ever dated. Yep. They're packing up. He sees a door that's open. He's looking around in it, and there's just a pile of photos of Rose and. A bunch of different obviously past black ex-boyfriends mm-hmm. or and then you you also see a picture of her and Georgina so they were like obviously in a relationship too so then then he's really kind of freaked out so they go downstairs the key things happen the key thing happens mm-hmm. she flips the switch then he gets knocked out uh, via the hypnot hypnotist yeah um, 
it's also kind of cool. Like whenever she's digging for the keys, he's like, Rose, keys, come on. And then she's like, I can't find them. I can't find them. And he's like, Rose, come on. And or he's like, Rose, give me the keys. And she like holds them up. She's like, you know, I can't do that. And then like you see him go through so many emotions. Cause like he's in love with this woman. Like he goes from like, he's scared and angry and wants to get out. And, like, you can tell part of him knows, like, hey, she's in on this, but part of him deep down is, like, she can't be. Like, she's so sweet. I love her. And then, like, that switch flips, and you see him, like, he starts getting angry, and then he's just like, okay, how, what am I doing? Like, I got to get out of this. And then that's whenever he, like, I don't know. I think the brother's like, come on, man. And he's like, okay, we got to fight. And then he goes to him, and then the mom just, like, taps her the spoon on her tea and it just knocks him out cold yeah he just drops yeah um and i don't even know where to go from here because this is like so much stuff happens yeah so this is where like kind of it starts to just rapid fire yeah so he wakes up he's in in a room um downstairs yeah yeah like a den which i watched an analysis video and it's supposed to resemble the shining i literally was, like whenever jordan, you see it yeah yeah that's jordan peele's like one of his favorite movies i've never mm-hmm. seen the shining but the analysis what? video kind of yeah i'm sorry <laughs> but whoa, whoa, whoa you never see the shining no do you want to be on next week <laughs> for the shining yeah yeah i mean it's up to you dude yeah this is how it's happening right now we're gonna do the shining next week okay if you're yeah wow hey guys tune in next week mason heads joining me again back to back for the shining all right i'm in this is crazy okay wow i'm glad we figured that out you guys don't (laughs) know this before this whole thing i was like man i have no clue what i'm doing next episode i had like four different options this just came up so i love it Worked perfectly. Sorry, Austin Ramsey. <laughs> he wanted to do Scooby Doo. We might do that next the week after that. Like a mini episode. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but anyways. Yeah, that room, like whenever you see it, I don't know what it is about it, because like it doesn't look like a specific room from the shining that I can think of. I think it's just like how it's designed. Symmetrical. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like a bunch of vertical lines and um, the ceiling, like the lighting on the ceiling looks incredible. Um, just like Kubrick does in a lot of his movies. It made me think of 2001 A Space Odyssey also. You're shaking your head. You haven't seen that either? No, I haven't seen that either. How are we friends, dude? I mean, we disagree on a lot of stuff. Oh, we, my we gosh. Hey, whenever I'm home in December... Every single day, we're going to watch, like, three movies. That'll work for me. <laughs> um, let's see here. Okay, so he wakes up. He's strapped to a chair. And the uh, Caligula um, video plays. Yeah, which is stupid creepy. So, one thing I noticed is that the font in that little video is the same exact font from the opening credits. It's like a light blue, uh-huh. and it's the same font. 
so yeah, he gets he kind of he's sitting in the chair watching the movie and gets explained the process of what's about to happen, which mm-hmm. we kind of touched on earlier. Yeah, and it turns out like the grandfather was the one who came up with it, which we also ter- touched on earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, he gets he talks to his transplant with, uh, victim or patient Stephen Root. Yeah, which is like the blind art dealer. Mm-hmm. And then he gets knocked out again. Mm-hmm. And as you watch the movie, you notice that his nervous tick for his addiction to cigarettes is he scratches things. Like he and scratches. whenever he was getting um, hypnotized the first time and he's a little kid sitting on his bed, he's scratching the wooden posts. Yes. Yeah. So, so he, that's just his tick, yeah. Yeah. So he gets he's scratching at the armrest that is like a plush armrest and he's scraping it up and like tearing it apart and that that's like a big factor into it all which mm-hmm. I don't know if, do you want to roll with it yeah um pretty much like whenever he wakes up he's strapped to that chair and it'll like show him a little video and then it will cut to like on the TV a cup of tea and it's like a spoon going around it and that's what knocks him out again and so he's scratching the, the chair, and he pulls out some, like, fuzz that's inside of it. And he's just like, huh, okay, I can do something with that. And so later on, the brother's coming to, you know, take him in for the operation. And, you know, he, like, he unties him. And then he, like, turns around to get the wheelchair over so he can wheelchair him over. And then Chris hits him in the back of the head with a bocce ball, knocks him out. Um, And then you see him, like, he takes out, he stuffed that, like, the stuffing in his ears so that whenever the mug or the teacup happened, it wouldn't, he couldn't hear it and it wouldn't knock him out. He'd just act like he was knocked out. And so that was his mode of escape um do you have anything you want to touch on right now so i didn't pick up on it and i don't know like if it's if if but during an analysis video that i watched is they were saying how him picking at the armrest he put cotton in his ears like he was Mm -hmm. picking cotton so it's another reference to the old south when slaves would pick cotton for their masters or whatever which it's it's that you don't pick up on that the first time mm-hmm. like at all exactly so it's one of those things um that is i wouldn't have picked up on until mm-hmm. i watched the analysis video so it may take you know somebody three or four times to mm-hmm. notice it at all yeah and also i'm wondering if they touched on this in your video because jordan peele mentioned it this is at the very beginning of the movie he's shaving and he cuts himself shaving and jordan peele's like He's a black man. He's rubbing white on his face. He's turning himself white, which was the shaving cream. And then he cuts himself. And he's like, that's just kind of us foreshadowing, like, his process of turning white and, like, the pain that's going to come from that. And I was just like, holy cow. Like, we're one and a half minutes into this movie, and I'm already like, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, that's crazy, because I wrote down in my notes here, I said, cuts himself while shaving, but, like, I didn't put two and two together yeah. whatsoever. 
but yeah, that's nuts. There's so many little things. Yeah, it's crazy. This was like the first movie he wrote. Like, yeah, this screenplay is incredible. Um, so before we go into like his escape attempt, I do want to talk about what's going on while he's down there, specifically with Lil Rel and Rose. So Lil Rel is doing his investigation, I guess. Um, he's like, okay, Andre's missing, and now Chris won't return my calls. He was supposed to be home like two days ago, to, but he's not, and he knows that because he's watching Chris's dog. He's like feeding it. And so he's like, Chris isn't answering, so he calls, and Rose answers finally. And Rose is like, hello? And he's like, hey, where's Chris? And she's like, I don't know. He disappeared a couple days ago. He said he was heading home. Um, and then they talk a little more, and you can tell, like, okay, he's suspicious of Rose. And so he's like, uh, give me one moment. Pauses the phone. He's like, I got you, bitch. <laughs> I know, I know what's going on. He's like, I got to record. And so he like starts recording the conversation and then he goes back and he's like, Hey Rose. So yeah, when's the last time you saw Chris? And then she's like, Rod, I know what this is about. And he's like, what, what is this about? And she's like, I know you think of me. I know like you love me. And it's like this creepy thing. He's like, no, no, I don't like, I'm just worried about my boy Chris. And then she's like, I know that you love me. It's not, I don't know, stuff like that. And she just like flips the switch and it's like she knows he paused their conversation and was like, okay, I got to record because I know what's going on here. And she knew that was happening and was like, okay, I got to like change this so he doesn't have anything on me, which I think was pretty cool. Um, and he goes to the police station. He's like, hey, I got, hey, my boy's missing. He said that, and they're like, your son's missing. And he's like, no, my my friend, Chris, he's like 26. And they're like, oh, okay. And he tells the story, and he's so close to getting it right, but he's like, I think they're kidnapping these black people and turning them into sex slaves. <laughs> and they just, like, make fun of them or whatever. And I think it's funny, like, that does add the, the twist to it, like, or the comedic twist is, like, you know, originally, whenever he brings up sex slaves, it's before Chris, like, is even out of it, you know? And you're like, are they turning people to sex slaves right now? Because it kind of seems like it, because, like, that one rich lady just wanted to fuck him. So, I mean, have sex with him. But, yeah, so, I he, like, his friend, Rod, is really the only one who, like, suspects anything, which, they, I mean, he he's, and he even with the detectives and stuff, like they just laugh and joke him off and he ends up uh, like being the one to do more investigating and find out exactly what's going on. And so we talked about how he hits the brother over the head with the bocce ball. And so he's trying to figure out how to escape and they cut to a, like the surgery room mm -hmm. and it shows the dad putting on his mask and it shows the art dealer all prepared and he cuts the top of his head off and takes his brain out and mm. everything and then chris ends up like not coming over to the surgery room so there's you know he thinks something's up he's so he's gonna go find him 
And this is my favorite part. When Chris stabs the dad with the deer head that was in the room. Mm -hmm. So he, he impales him with the antlers from the deer, which... I just was like pumped about the first time I watched it because it was like finally this guy who's there's a about, lot of blood. Yeah, there's a lot of blood, but he's finally it's like this guy's talking about how he hates deer, and which is not actually deer like we mm. touched on, and he finally dies by a deer, and so I it's just another point that but it was my favorite point that was brought up during the movie. Yeah, and then after that he goes upstairs. Well. So, whenever he stabs the dad, the dad stumbles into the surgery room, and it kind of is like a ritual, like we were saying, like, there's some type of deeper, like, um, the Templar thing, like, they have candles lit in the surgery room, which doesn't seem ideal, you know, um, but that's kind of something that also points to like, this is a ritual. Like you light candles whenever you perform this or something. Um, and he knocks over one of the candles and you know, the basement starts catching on fire. So you're like, okay, the house is going to burn down. Well, Chris goes upstairs, he's ready to leave. And he's like walking towards the front door all bloody. And the mom's like in her office and turns and looks and they like make eye contact and she's just like, oh, shit. Like, this isn't what's supposed to be happening right now. She's like, okay, that's my son or my husband's blood on him. What's going on? And so, like, Chris runs and knocks and breaks the teacup so that she can't do anything to him. Um, and Jordan Peele said, like, originally they wanted Chris to just grab the mom beat the shit out of her and kill her. And then he's like, but <laughs> you can't have like a beefy young black man just murdering a defenseless white woman. And so she grabs like scissors or a knife and stabs him in the hand. And then and he, he just like takes it. Yeah. Like, he just it, takes it. I he's been through so much. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a letter opener, right? Yeah. And yeah. it goes through his hand and just he's straight just like, up goes through his hand and he doesn't like wince or anything. He just like looks at her. And yeah. I'm guessing it's just cause like the adrenaline's pumping. Uh-huh. And, and then he, he grabs her hand like through the letter opener and then turns it around and shoves it into her head and kills her. Um, which I think is a cool way to get her out of there. Like, yeah, he just took it. Yeah. And I don't know if it, it I don't know if this I, I thought of this while I was watching it, which I don't know if it's actually a thing, but it's funny because he, she, her like main power is getting inside somebody's head, mm -hmm. and then he gets inside of her head with letter opener. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That's cool. Um, and so he kills her, and he's like, "Okay, I'm getting out of here." He still has the letter opener in his hand when he's walking out the door. He opens the door, and the brother comes back from downstairs. You know. He got hit on the head, but he wasn't killed. And so he comes up and puts him in a headlock. It's the MMA fight. It's what he'd been wanting to do since he first met him is, you know, fight him. Um, and it's kind of cool, like, Chris doesn't use brute force to beat him. He just outsmarts him because he keeps going to grab the door, and then Jeremy will kick the door closed. And so he's like, okay... I got one more shot at this. I'm going to grab for the door. And whenever he does, um, the brother goes and to kick it 
clothes, and Chris stabs him in the leg with the letter opener, and then... Then he has the upper hand at that point. Yeah, and then just, And then he just boot stomps him. Yeah. Like, it's br- it, they don't show anything, but it's like... I kind of wish bru- they would yeah, it's a brutal way to die because his his skull's probably already fractured from the bocce ball. Yeah, and so then he just like stomps on him. Yep. Um, and while while that's all happening, Rose is upstairs. That's what I was about to bring this up. This is this is the kind of the cre- I mean, it, it's all creepy, but the she's upstairs, headphones in on her laptop, looking at like pictures of she of black guys. She googles like. Uh, it's like NBA African American prospects or something. Like she's she googles. She's trying to find like the next like college Victim. basketball star. But yeah, she's like, okay, they have to be athletic. They have to have like something going for them. You know, it can't just be any black guy. Like she has to get the upper echelon, I guess. And she's eating. <laughs> Fruit Loops and milk, but they're not together. Yeah, she's which, eating them separately. Yeah, creepy. which it's creepy. And then I watched the analysis video, and they're talking about how the milk is white, the yeah. Fruit Loops are colored, and they're separated. Which, like, you're not. I'm never. I'm not smart enough. I and I never going to pick up on that without watching the video. But it's mm-hmm. just crazy to think about. It's like he adds so much little details in there. That's true. Yeah. Um, he also in the commentary when he stabs him with the buck or whatever he says like um you know the big i don't know your big powerful slave was referred to as a buck like they just called him a buck and so he's like he chose it to be a buck so that you know it's another i don't know reference i guess to the racism going on um, but yeah, I was about to bring up the creepy cereal thing. Um, whenever she's doing that, you can tell she like, she can tell something's off. And so she like takes out her earphone and is like, okay, something's going on. And then you see Chris, like he gets into the car and it has like the Templar mask or whatever. And he's like, the fuck is this? And just like throws it away, gets in the car and starts driving and hits the grandma and so he's like, oh, crap, she was wanting out of here. So he goes and grabs her and puts her in the passenger seat. Yeah, and then Rose... A, like a crisis of conscience there. Yeah, exactly. Because like, it's like, like... Do I stop he... or do I help my fellow, like, black man, woman? Yeah. Um, and he ends up helping her. Yeah, which ended up not being smart because she wakes up and, like, starts attacking him. And then they wreck and crash into a tree. Chris wakes up from the wreck and is getting out and Rose is coming with a shotgun or a rifle and starts shooting at him and he's like oh shit and so he starts trying to escape and the grandpa runs him down another time the grandpa's running Um, this time he uses his speed to catch a black person like he always wanted to do to Jesse Owens like he never could catch up to him um and then tackles him, and while he's, like, choking... Oh, no, he's squeezing his eyes. Yeah. That was insane. I was just like, that's gotta hurt so bad. Um, put his thumbs in his eyes, and he's just gonna, like, squeeze the dude's head off. And 
like you mentioned, the the flash of a camera comes into play once again. He takes a flash and takes a picture of the grandpa slash gardener guy, and it snaps him out of it. And he's just like, oh, shit. And so Rose is there with the gun, and he's like, no, let me do it. And he grabs the gun. And that's one, like, my first time watching it, I was like, why would she give him the, the gun? Like, you know, why wouldn't she just shoot him himself? But then I was like, you know, maybe it's she thinks that's her grandpa still, and he's like, you're too young for this. Like, you know, let me do this. You know, you're my granddaughter. I'll do this. So I think that's what happened, but he ends up shooting her in the stomach and then he turns and you think he's just going to shoot Chris, but then ends up popping himself in the head. And Yeah. Cause he and, knows that he obviously can't stay conscious, like in his body for too long. So he's like, I'm going to end it so that the, the grandpa who's in mm-hmm. my head doesn't have a chance to continue to live. Also, like, even if he could, like, if the grandpa was just out of it forever, like, how do you, how does he live? Like, you've been in this sunken place. Like, you can see what's been going on the entire time, but you're just, like, you weren't controlling your body. You were living in someone else's head for years, probably, you know? Um so I mean that makes sense. Like he just lost himself because you can't really live like that. Like yeah, you just lost so much of your life. But um, yeah, Chris. I this is the ending, so we'll go into that. Um, after Rose gets shot in the stomach, Chris looks over at her, and she's still alive. And the guns between them. While well, Chris gets up and grabs the gun, so that she can't get it. And then I think he just starts choking her. And at first she's like, I don't know, apologizing. She's like, baby, don't don't hurt me. I'm sorry and stuff. And he's just like, no, fuck you. And so grabs her by the throat and just starts choking her to death. And then she turns and gets this cold look and smiles because she's like, you know, you're not coming. We did this to you like. You know, you think you're winning, but we turned you into a monster because you're going to kill me. And he sees that. Go on. I was wondering if the smile was for that reason Mm -hmm. or if it was for the reason that she heard cop lights. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I'm going to be saved. So she was like smiling, knowing that as a white woman with a black guy on top of her, more than likely she's going to be able to like lie her way through it. So how I interpreted it was like how I said, and then he quits choking her and starts walking away and you see the flashing of lights coming and then she changes again. And that was her like acknowledgement of it. She changes and goes back to Rose and is like, help me. He he's killing everyone. So I thought that was like her acknowledgement of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, you see cop lights, and you're just like, oh, fuck. It's going to be that racist cop from before that was trying to, you know, see his license. Turns out the door opens, and it says airport. And then it <laughs> waits like a second, and then little Rel hops out. And then you're just like, holy shit, he's here. Like, he did it. Yeah, um, it's, the, it's the best. 
Yeah, could you imagine being Lil Rel? Like, he just shows up, dead gardener dude there, the girlfriend's there, like, cho- dying, and then Crash Daniel... a little bit down yeah, the road. Yeah, and uh, Chris comes out, he's, like, bleeding and stuff. He has a hole in his hand from getting stabbed. You know, you're just like, holy shit. And so, um, they go into the car, and Chris is like, how'd you find me? And Lil Rail's like, I'm T.S. motherfucking A. And he's like... (laughs) And we we, handle stuff. Yeah, we handle shit. And he's like, consider this situation fucking handled. It's awesome. Yeah. It's um, so good. But Jordan Peele said that was that last line, the consider the situation fucking handled. That was ad-libbed. Like it wasn't in the script. Just Lil Rel said it. Yeah. That's so good. The alternate ending though is way, I didn't watch it till last night, but it's way more depressing. Depressing. Yeah. Yeah. So the cop lights actually are cops and then he gets arrested. It cuts to him in jail and Rod is trying, still doing his investigation thing, trying to like get more names and try to find out a way to get him out. Mm-hmm. And Chris is just like, I stopped it. I'm fine. And then walks away. Yeah. And it's just like, I stopped it. It's not going to happen to anybody else. I don't care about being in jail, which is yeah. crazy. So I think Peel said that was the original ending. Like when he wrote this, that was the ending. Um, and then like while they were shooting and stuff like that. He was like, no, like we can't end it like that. I'm glad they didn't like if this movie ended like that, I can't imagine how I'd look at it. Like, yeah, it'd still be an awesome movie, but like that is just so depressing. Yes. Uh, I don't think I, w- I mean like you can never tell if you're going to, you, you never can say like, Oh, mm-hmm. I like it more. Or I, oh, I'd like it less, but it just feels good for finally he, you know, gets out of it all and can go back to his life. It may not be the same life. Yeah. He's like, can you imagine now, his life but... after this? Like, he still has to go to the cops and talk to them. Like, you know, I guess that could still easily be the outcome. Like, he yes. could still get arrested, but yeah. like to think that he didn't. So, with all that being said, do you have anything else that you want to touch on? Oh, I do have one thing, if you don't. I do have a comment to make. Um, unfortunately, there's no giraffes in the film, dude. And I and it's it's a big downer because I know that you know that's an extra plus three in the Alex McAllister book of movies. Well, here's the thing: I went to the zoo today. I touched a giraffe. Did you love it? Oh, I almost cried. I almost cried. So, um, this movie gets the giraffe boost just because I touched a giraffe today good look at you good hey avid listener of the podcast i know about the giraffes yeah there you go been around since episode one i'm surprised there aren't more more people ain't giraffing picking giraffe movies that's what it's called if you pick a giraffe movie it's giraffing is there a giraffe in the shining i'll give you a firm maybe and we'll (laughs) see we'll see how it goes all right but no there's not Uh, so one more thing is that that I wanted to touch on is kind of his Chris, how he left his mom to die. Um, he kind of just ends up doing the same thing with Rose, but it's a much more, it's a much different type of like leaving to die. Like his mom, he just 
froze and didn't act and it resulted in her death this like he was like you know what it's kind of like he overcame it and was like i'm not gonna freeze this time i'm intentionally gonna leave and let this woman die because she's evil yeah and like and he and he kind of shows that he's better than them because he could have just killed her straight up yeah but he didn't um and that i that also i kind of got nervous there the first time watching it because like she probably dies, you know, she probably bleeds out and dies, but in all, you know, technicalities, she's not dead when the movie ends. Yeah. So you, ne- you never know, which is An creepy. ambulance could show up and just yeah. save her, you know, which wouldn't be great, but um, I'm going to go into the thing that you were supposed to remind me of. This would be the perfect time to remind me, but I saw this with my roommates. I think it was Ben and James. Um, Hope might have been there. Doesn't matter. But when we were leaving, I I was like in love with it. I think it was the second time seeing it. And I was like, okay, what do you guys think? And Ben was like, you know, no white characters in this movie have any redeeming qualities. And I was just like, holy shit, he's right. And that kind of upset me. You know, like at least one could have had a redeeming quality, but none of them do. They all just end up, like, you know, being evil, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I guess the the one that would be the closest would be the art dealer. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Just because, like, yeah, it's t- pretty twisted that he still is going to go through with it, but at least the reasoning behind him going through with it is not like, oh, you're black. Like, that's why Yeah, it's literally just, I want to see. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. but That might be the closest one. But, yeah, I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. And, but there's really just a bunch of trash characters. Yeah. They're yeah, like, exactly. Horrible humans. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to bring that up. Give Ben a shout out for his film analysis, I guess. So do you have anything else to add before we go into the outro duction? Do I need to rate the film? That's the first step of the outroduction. Oh, okay. No, I think I think I have it covered everything. I loved I love the movie. I love talking about it. It's I, I was nervous before coming on, but I just talked for like an hour and a half or so about a movie that I really liked. We've I'm been here a while. It. I'm excited for next week. So there you go. So Meso, Mace Yawn. He goes by both those. Um, how would you rate this movie on a scale of one to three? I'm gonna. Get, you kind of have to give it a three. Like, I, no, you don't you even have, have to. to you don't have to. But I'm gonna openly give it a three, and I highly recommend it for people who don't even like horror movies. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, um, I'm definitely giving it a three as well. I received a lot of blowback from multiple people for rating Scream a two last week. <laughs> so I'm sorry if you guys are mad at me. This one is a three. I like this better than Scream. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I definitely give it a three. And I'm going to give my recommendation if you like this. Um, it's not as close because like, I think the only thing really relatable to this is us. Because it's Jordan Peele. Um, but... It also has Bradley Whitford, who's the dad in this. Um, it's The Cabin in the Woods. Have you seen it, Mason? I have not. I love it. 
like you think it's just gonna be a scary movie about a cabin in the woods and it takes like a huge turn but he's in it he's not like a main character but uh chris hemsworth's in it so check that out that's my recommendation the cabin in the woods okay so um our next movie is going to be the shining now with mason head um so thank you for that now mason is there anything that you would like to promote oh gosh here comes a shameless plug there we go um yeah i run a vintage clothing account on instagram and depop you can find it at valley underscore vintage underscore co um we just dropped some new fall stuff today so it'll be it'll be already out by the time you're listening to the podcast we are got we have a bunch more stuff to drop too coming up so check it out hit me up on instagram or depop yeah um you you still have a lot of clothes every time we facetime you just have so much clothes and they all look so cool so i'm excited to see where this goes i i i buy a lot of clothes but it's for me to give them to other people because there you go i'm a big supporter of giving old clothes new life because i feel like there's so much pollution started by fast fashion that why not take some clothes that are still cool and give them some new life Mm -hmm. and especially with stuff like stranger things coming out like the retro clothes are you know kind of coming back in style like it all looks pretty cool um also they make great christmas gifts that's coming up so if you're listening to this um you know just check out the instagram and you know buy some for other people or at least share it let other people see what's out there awesome yeah so thank you for recommending or not recommending promoting something i've been waiting i literally had that idea for you because i was like you know you're you're a young man and you're like doing something awesome like you know you're starting this company so give more people like you a platform to speak out to my three listeners or however many big shout out to you though because i with school and work i definitely took a break and Alex kept bugging me about getting it started and it was like, hey, you need to start doing this again because you're going to be on the podcast. And so I appreciate it because I definitely need a little kick. Hey, dude, so. no worries. That's what friends are for. Even though we have a lot of differences, that's what <laughs> friends are for. Hey, it works. I love it. Yep. So again, Mason, thank you so much for being on and thank you for joining us again next week. I'm so excited for you to watch The Shining. I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's get. Let's go two for two on good episodes. I loved being on, and I am ready to go again. Yeah, there we go. And um, like I mentioned randomly in the middle of the podcast, uh, follow us on Twitter at CineFitsPod, and send us your feedback on through email. We are friends with CineFits at gmail.com. Uh, send in listener questions. Any feedback you have for us. Um, maybe help with the audio or if there's any movies you want to do um, or if you want to be on the episode exactly that's where I was going with it you know maybe you listen to other movie review podcasts or even other podcasts and you're like oh man it'd be cool to get on there um, you know just send me a message tell me what movies you want to do and you, you can be on this is just a cool way to talk about movies um, make new friends so 
that's one of my favorite things about movies is you can just ask anyone what their favorite movie is and you have something to talk about. So, yeah, if you guys want to be on or have any feedback, friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. So, thanks for listening. Mason, again, thank you for joining. And thank you for I'll having see, me. I'll see you and the listeners next week. Peace out, guys. Bye.